are living your story right now in this moment. You know, no two stories are alike. We are all unique. We all have a different lens through which we see the world. We all have something to contribute, to share, to be. That uniqueness takes courage. It's not easy to stand in your truth. It's not easy to let yourself be vulnerable, to be really seen, to be really heard. So many of us hide. So many of us stay hidden. So many of us make the choice to step forward, to own who we are, to own our stories, to share our voice. The tide is turning. We're moving into a space of deeper vulnerability, courage, authenticity, and love. We're moving closer to greater self-love, self-acceptance, honesty, and empowerment. To get there, to get to that space, means we have to authentically share who we are. It means we have to authentically show up as our true selves. The magic is in sharing who you are. The magic is in sharing your story. That's where this series comes in. Own your voice. Love yourself. Stay true to your story. Dive deep into your vulnerability. Shine in your authenticity. Once you do, there's no stopping you. Stay honest. Stay brave. Stay true to who you are. Welcome to Seek the Joy Podcast, the power of storytelling. Hi there, I'm Jacqueline Clare. I am a visual artist and storyteller. My genre is spiritual realism, and this is sort of a play on words. It both describes my visual art, my paintings, and it also puts a finger on my approach towards spirituality. How can we encourage each other to strive for and believe in our loftiest, most aspirational aims? You know, how can we truly go for being the most forgiving, loving, pure, honest, etc. versions of ourselves and also hold this space of loving compassion and friendship and be really honest about the thorny, rocky road that this life can be. You know, I believe that if we can hold that honest space and have those honest discussions about how far we fall from where we want to be and not just be like, yeah, well, that's it. That's, that's all we get. But be like, yeah, ouch, this sucks sometimes. And also like get up and keep going and keep striving. And that's really what I'm about. And it's a relationship I try to nurture with myself. And again, it is this idea that I hope to spark in both my paintings and in the conversation spaces that I host around my artwork. So I've done something really unique in about the last year and a half where I have used my exhibition spaces as an opportunity to share 
spiritual stories and elicit conversations around these lofty ideals. I have a show called Awaken to Your Life as a Spiritual Journey. And it is this blend of art show, storytelling, and conversation. And I always like to start off by reminding all of us who are there that awakening to your life as a spiritual journey is not some concept. This is not another concept to add to our lives or to nod our heads and listen to and then, you know, sort of go on with our day and forget about. I believe we are actually slicing into the age-old ancient questions about what is the meaning and purpose of our lives. And I believe that it is to become aware that everything that we experience in this life, the petty disappointments and frustrations and the great sorrows and joys of life and driving to work and having a baby being born and watching someone pass away and passing a test and failing another, that everything that we experience is actually spiritual in nature, that it is for the evolution of our souls and the refinement of who we truly are. That all of these are just constructs. Our life is actually the construct. And the purpose of it is for us to grow spiritually into our strongest most virtuous self. And virtue, I don't mean in some sort of Puritan sense. I mean virtues like courage and love and forgiveness. You know, these are really powerful, strong virtues. And that everything in our life is really for this purpose. And I believe that the more consistently we remember this, because I do believe it's more of a remembrance of our higher nature than a discovery. The more consistently we remember this, when we are heartbroken, when we are ticked off in rush hour traffic, that this remembrance is the source of fortitude and perseverance, and joy, and courage, and perspective, all of those experiences and qualities that we all yearn for more of in our lives. So there's nothing more amazing to talk about with people and hopefully ignite in each of us, because it's, it's, it's not just me giving something. It is me absolutely learning from my audiences and reminding myself. And there's nothing more important, I think, for us to explore together. So my show takes these seven paintings that I created during a short but intense period of crisis and challenge in my life, which I will share a little bit with you. Not that my story is super unique or frankly even interesting. It's actually in how ordinary it is that I think that it's worth sharing 
because we all go through periods of crisis and challenge in our lives of whatever scale or duration. And I feel that the most potent reminder we can give ourselves and each other in those times is that things change. Brother, sister, things change. Situations evolve often profoundly for the better. And for me, each of these seven paintings is like a tangible proof of that reality. Like the sand and the oyster that causes great agitation, but then from that process, a pearl is brought forth. And the paintings are also special because they were created in solitude, and now they have become these magnets to host these spaces, to bring people together, to have this exploration, and to also talk about my source material. Uh, My source material for the show is partly my own life, and also this beautiful, mystical book from the Middle East. It's from the Baha'i faith tradition, which is the faith that I come from. And it is called The Seven Valleys of Baha'u'llah. And it's based on some Sufi mystical concepts. And it really contains this universal guidance and elucidation of the stages of spiritual growth that we can all go through in our lives. And the fact that, you know, these paintings that I created create this opportunity to explore this profound mystical text, again, in this very like nitty gritty down to earth way is just so humbling and amazing. So the story behind the series goes back really to my childhood. All of my life, I've been in the field of acting in film and television. And in 2013, I moved from Texas, where I grew up, to LA to obviously be in the epicenter of that industry. And once I was there, in one of those like God said, ha, sort of situations, after a few years, this long distance courtship arose that started to bring my attentions back to Texas. And of course, it had all the perfect nuance and specificity to sort of get me, get my heart. But what I see now is so valuable about that time is that it created just enough detachment from this path that I was on that takes a lot of dogged determination anyway. And it allowed me to examine this path and just check in and examine the integrity of that path for me at that time. And I do wonder how often we give ourselves that grace to just check in and make sure what we're working so hard for is still what feels right. So in the summer of 2017, I did this experiment where I didn't officially completely move out of LA, but I came to Texas for this extended, long-term, indefinite visit and to obviously see what it was like not being long distance. And the creative and professional trade-off I made, since I wouldn't be in LA acting and auditioning, was that I would 
pick up painting. And it wasn't quite as out of the blue as it might sound. My mom is an amazing and accomplished artist. And so the plan was that I would train with her in painting while I was living in Texas and seeing how all of this was going. And two things happened very quickly once I was in Texas. And the first was that I just began to fall in love with the art studio practice. And I found a relish and delight in the work itself that I didn't remember feeling with acting. And the second thing that happened was that the courtship fell away. It dissolved very rapidly. And, you know, I'm just so tempted always to like breeze over this part of my story because it seems sort of petty and it's been enough time that it no longer hurts. But to do justice to it and to all of our heartbreaks and loss in life, it was a very painful time. And what happens, I think, in those experiences in life that rub us raw is that we're a lot more likely to turn to our creator, our source, and ask those really important questions like, why am I here? And I was certainly doing that at that time. And you know, it's so amazing because that courtship thing, it was just the tip of the iceberg of this much bigger and deeper transition that was happening within me and in my own life. It was as definitively as life gets. Life is not a movie, clear beginning, middles and ends. But As much as it gets, that summer was the end of my old world. And the priorities and goals and self-identifications that went along with that. And it was the discovery of this new world and this new calling in visual art that in fact felt way more authentic than the old world ever had. But that's not to say that that space in the middle, you know, to use that Brene Brown, the messy second act, the messy middle, is not absolutely fraught and terrifying when all the dust has been kicked up and nothing has been figured out or put back on the shelf. Those messy middle spaces can be so scary And we all go through these ends and beginnings in our lives over and over again, you know, where the old reality no longer fits and we we haven't figured out what the new reality is yet. And I remember saying to my housemate back in California that I felt like I had gone through this vortex of change and had not yet rematerialized. And I was like, dust, you know, particles just like tumbling through space and I hadn't come back together as a solid form. And I also think right now on this planet as a human family, we're going through one such transition where like the old ways no longer fit. That daily we're losing faith in institutions and ways of doing things and being that have always been. And we know this time is like rich and pregnant with opportunity to recreate these things so much better. 
But we have to be so compassionate and patient with ourselves because we're living through a lot of rubble and chaos. And you know, in that summer, I definitely did not feel like I was, say, living through Seven Valleys, this mystical book that my show is based on. You know, it wasn't like I had the perspective that like, oh, this is for my spiritual growth and this is so beautiful and wonderful. You know, it didn't feel like Seven Valleys. It just felt like one, like the trenches. But with just a little time when the healing started to really be noticeable, I saw how there absolutely were peaks in that time, very much encapsulated in the artwork I created. And that is what I find so mystical and interesting, that in that space of just an intense couple of months, I did complete no less and no more than seven mystical landscapes that have become the basis for this show awaken to your life as a spiritual journey and have led to all of these really deep conversations with audiences across the country. So that's a little bit of my story. Thank you for listening, my friend. My name is Margot Carroll, and I am an email marketing strategist and sales funnel copywriter for business owners. I help expert entrepreneurs and coaches sell their courses, coaching, and services with adaptable sales systems that grow alongside their businesses. And I'm so thrilled to be here on the Seeking Joy podcast. So today I'm going to share my story, and this is much more vulnerable than I'm typically comfortable being, Um, but I knew that it was the only way that I could really share my story. I have always been someone who sought the reward for achievement and executing on skills that I had developed. And that started from a very young age. I was always the first one to finish a test and I was always the one at the front of the class. And I, you know, I enjoyed sports, but more so I thought that a big part of my value in this world came from my brain and being rewarded for what I could accomplish with my brain. I decided in high school that my big goal was to work with refugee children. And so I studied international development in college. I took Spanish courses. I spent a year in between high school and college traveling the world and volunteering in a couple of different countries. I spent six months living in Uganda. I spent a month living in Peru. And as I traveled, my goal was to get as much experience as I could working with children and learning about all the different systems when it came to international development, education, and really social justice work, but in the in the sense of systems and the systems that could be changed to serve these children better and their families who are living in really extreme poverty 
So that was my passion. And that started probably from the age of 15 or 16. And after college, I started working um, with international students and children right away, eventually became a social worker, which my goal was to work with refugees, but I knew that I needed some more experience first. Um, And then was given the opportunity to apply for my dream job, which was to do social work with international refugee children that had just been resettled in the U.S. without their parents. Now, you can imagine the kind of extreme stress and trauma that these children go through. Um, their, Their young growing up lives have been spent in a war zone, and then they are brought to the United States to live a safer, cleaner, more opportunities life that they never could have dreamed of in their home country. And yet, they're here with no family. And they're expected to essentially rely on the system and the support system that, you know, the foster care agency and their host family create for them. And that is just an unbelievable challenge for these young children who are still developing as humans, let alone going through these extreme experiences that they're in. And so I said, sign me up. I'm here. I'm going to, I'm going to help these kids. I'm, I'm going to be amazing at this work. And I just really dug in, you know, I was offered the job. I felt underqualified. I was excited. Um, And so I just started working as hard as I possibly could for these kids. And in my mind, that's, that's who it was for. But in reality, it was feeding off of that same vicious cycle of seeking the reward and the attention based on my achievements and how well I could execute on my skill set and what kind of results I could get. And, um, not finding any joy in the journey, but really just seeking the accomplishment and the achievement. You know, I pushed hard in my early career with those first couple of jobs out of college just to get to the opportunity of that dream job that I eventually landed. I didn't find any joy in the journey, though, of having those early jobs. It was just going through the motions until I could get that dream job. And then when I got it, Yeah, you can probably see what's coming next, (laughs) but I, you know, I was working just crazy long hours. These children come to the U.S. and they don't have a support system. So essentially you become their support system. Yes, they have a host family and a foster care family and they have their teachers and their counselors and they go through a lot of counseling, but the case manager really becomes their primary support network. And when they say you have an on-call cell phone, let me tell you that that phone was ringing more often than not late, late at night on the weekend, um, because these, these are just children, right. And, and they need your help. And so, um, that was a really, um, important time in my life. I grew probably more than I ever have at any other point in time. I was also had just gotten married and, um, was learning how to, you know, be a part of a committed relationship like that. And at the same time, I was just working like crazy. Um, I was working late into the night. I was working on the weekend. I would take my laptop with me places to, to catch up on work. And, and in my mind, it was all for these kids. And, and that was kind of the slippery slope. It wasn't for the money. You know, most people aren't in social work 
typically, I mean, it does happen, but typically you're not in it for the money, but uh, in my mind, it was for these kids, but in reality, it was for the achievement. It was for, you know, being in that upper echelon of social workers that had this kind of high profile um, job, you know, in that industry, high profile job. And I wasn't finding any joy in the journey anymore. You know, the only times that I really looked forward to were when my husband and I were going on vacation out of the country or else camping in the woods, backpacking where I knew I wouldn't have any cell phone service. Um, and, and yes, it's great to unplug no matter what your job is and what you're doing. But I started to realize that I was feeling like I had to run. I had to to be on the run to get get a break from this work because I didn't didn't deserve to just enjoy time away from it or enjoy my life because there was so much work still to be done for these kids and and that was really humbling because during that time I started experiencing severe anxiety to the point where I thought I had something wrong with my heart because of the the chest pains that I was having the anxiety attacks I was having I can distinctly remember a time where I needed to pick up one of um, the children that I worked with to take them to court and to um, testify before the judge. And I just had to pull over my car because I was bawling my eyes out and I didn't know what was happening and I was terrified and later learned that I was having anxiety attacks, but I, I thought there was physically something wrong with me. And even then, I, I, I still saw the reward being in my achievement and in the execution and not finding any joy in the journey. And that's a theme um, that I recognize. And that in telling my story today, I realized that seeking joy instead of just seeking accomplishment is a big focal point for me. And my tendency is to seek accomplishment. I tend to feel guilty seeking joy. And so a big part of my life is learning to seek the joy and feel no guilt or to observe that guilty feeling and to move past it and move through it. So the anxiety attack started happening. It got really bad. I still wouldn't prioritize myself or seeking any joy. And then my husband and I were on a backpacking trip in the mountains and we had a, a really terrifying near-death experience. You know, I laugh like a nervous laugh, but it was n- nowhere near funny at the time. Um, we were, you know, 10 miles away from any kind of cell phone service or other human beings. We'd hike miles and miles up into the woods for this trip. It was beautiful. And there was a freak storm, a miniature hurricane that fell just right in the area that we were in. And we had to huddle under a small log that we found as all of these gigantic, you know, hundred foot tall trees are just flying. The wind is whipping them up in the air and all the branches are getting snapped off and they're just flying like spears through the air going right over our heads. And we were holding hands under this, this log and just, I, I didn't think we were going to survive. And, um, I remember looking at Jeff and thinking, you know, if this is really it, if this is the end of everything, did I really find joy in the life that I created up to this point? Did I really allow myself to enjoy my life and seek that joy instead of just seeking accomplishment after accomplishment after accomplishment? And, and the answer would have been no. The answer would have been that I was so focused on accomplishment to the punishment of myself, really. And that moment, I wish, you know, we ended up surviving the storm. We were able to stay huddled under that tree and then hike back out the next day. 
Um, neither one of us was severely injured. You know, we heard about other hikers that weren't so lucky that, that night. And I wish I could tell you that from that moment on, I changed everything, but I didn't because I'm stubborn and I need a lot of pushing and nudging, um, before I actually make a change. Um, a couple months after that happened, you know, I was back in the, the thick of my job and just, again, seeking accomplishment and not seeking joy and just being burned out and working those 70 to 80 hour weeks. And, I uh, we lived in a small cabin at the time, a little house that we had built ourselves by hand. We had a brand new little puppy, um, that would wait in the cabin while we were at work the, during the day. And um, the house nearly burned down to the ground. And we ended up coming home just in time to see um, it starting to go up in smoke and being able to get the puppy out. And Angus, who is our five-year-old dog now, almost six, he survived, um, like miraculously. He shouldn't have survived the amount of smoke inhalation and all that. Um, And so we had this near-death experience in the mountains. A couple months later, we um, almost lost our home and our dog and had this terrible house fire. And I just realized enough was enough. You know, I couldn't keep going on the path that I was on and just crush myself into dust with the daily hustle and grind of that work, no matter how passionate I was about those children, the way that the job was designed just didn't allow for me to seek any joy and just be who I was. So that led to a real existential crisis of if I'm not going to be a refugee social worker, what am I going to do with my life? I'd built everything up to that point and accomplishing that. And so I tried different things. I tried doing that work part-time, which is really impossible for any of you that have worked in social work or worked with refugee families in the past. You know that there's either full-time or nothing at all. Um, And then I tried, I thought, well, let me do something that's just very healing and help other people in a healing way. And so I tried massage therapy. I went back to school and I became a massage therapist, very different from the work that I had done before. And I did that for a little over a year and still practiced a little bit after that year. But I realized about a year in that it just wasn't tapping into the strategic side of my brain, the creative side of my brain to just work with my hands in that way, Um, even though it was really healing and helpful to be in that kind of space and focused on wellness. And that was the time that I started to think about creating a business. And I was working in the wellness industry because of massage. And so I started to realize that a lot of wellness business owners and just small business owners in general are amazing at the work that they do, but not so great at selling it and not so great at the marketing side. And I've always loved writing and communicating and connecting people with a problem to the solution. And that's really all that any good marketing is. And so I studied copywriting and I studied email marketing and I started doing freelance copywriting and email marketing. And this was around the time that I had my first child. And so basically the business tapped into my creative side. It gave me a way to earn income, but it also, and most importantly, what I learned about, you know, seeking joy instead of just seeking accomplishment It gave me the freedom and the flexibility to create joy in my life, to not feel guilty for creating that joy, and to keep prioritizing it. And that's something that I know each of you listening right now, at some point in your life, you've chosen taking care of others or accomplishing the thing that you think other people want you to do over seeking any joy for yourself in the situation. 
And we all can work on that. We all can improve. But what I've learned from sharing my story and really thinking it through before I just decided what to share with you all to really synthesize the most important things, what I've learned is that the joy of the journey is the reward in and of itself. And if you're not finding a way to derive joy from the journey, you're never going to feel rewarded enough from just achievement, accomplishment, and executing on your skills. So for me, I'm working every single day. I'm making that decision again to work on finding joy in the journey and letting that be the reward. I love my business and I love that I get to help so many women to develop the sales systems that give them the freedom and flexibility to do work that they love without being chained to their desk all the time. That's the beauty of the email automations that I get to work with. But I love it most because I'm helping other people prioritize seeking joy in their own life because they have a business that works for them. So my biggest dream is actually to develop with my husband a solar-powered eco-farm here where we live in Northwest Washington State. Um, and I want to do that so that I can, yes, of course, help people eat healthier, develop a more sustainable food supply. But ultimately, I want to run retreats from this eco farm. And I want them to be for women. And I want them to be for female entrepreneurs so that they can take time to step away. They can retreat and they can work on being the owners of the vision and the dream that they have for their business, but really for their life so that they can prioritize seeking joy in the journey instead of just seeking accomplishment or a revenue goal or hiring a certain number of team members, but that they can work on seeking joy in the journey and letting that be their reward as well. So thank you so much for taking the time to listen to my story. I hope that you enjoyed it and maybe that you learned something from it. Um, and thank you so much to Sydney for hosting me. This is Seek the Joy podcast, the power of storytelling. Join us, share your story. For more information and to get involved, visit seekthejoypodcast.com. This series airs the third week of every month. And make sure to join us for Seek the Joy Tuesday. Until then, thank you for your honesty. Thank you for your bravery. Thank you for your joy. Thank you for being here. And thank you for listening. Thank you.